This is a homebrew podcast. This is Liaman's Tiny Chat, the podcast about the podcast. Our heroes are gathered around the campfire, enjoying a brief respite from the darkness and talking about their experiences from the week. Let's listen in. I want to turn it up to 11. I can't really say all things told because it's not all things. I'll answer questions as long as it doesn't spoil any campaign two or campaign three stuff. Yeah. Ask an answer. Of mankind. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. I've been on a pasta talk. Been watching. Pasta uh, talk. Yeah, I've been lots of, been obsessed with watching people make pasta and pasta sauce. I have been uh, working. You have been lost in the sauce. I made a chili, a chili tortellini last night. Um. Yeah, I haven't done anything so. I don't know if I'd ever make tortellini. I don't mean to be lazy, but I feel like I would only ever buy pre-bought tortellini. Which is funny, because I'll homemade anything. But, (sighs) um, tortellini... It's just every individual little tortellini, man. You gotta, like... Yeah. Seems like a lot. You gotta tort all the leanies. Gotta tort all the leanies. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, I love dumplings. But I would never go through the process of hand-doing my dumplings. Like... (laughs) See, I'll do dumplings. I, I hand do dumplings. Really? I do bow. Oh. Yeah, I, I can I can slam out like four dozen bow in like an hour. Well, after the dough has been made and proofed, but like yeah, I can yeah. slam out some dumplings. Tortellini, they're too small for me though. They always turn out like Fair. raviolis anyway, and then I'm like, hey, it's a ravioli. It's just a little weird shape. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pasta talks. What it's been all pasta talk all the time for me. Pasta, pasta, pasta. I live on the weird side of TikTok. I get all the weirdest TikToks imaginable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like me, and Cody, me and curated. Cody just send the, just the most, like, acid trippy TikToks to each other that make zero sense whatsoever. Like, look what I found. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys heard of Mr. Clutch? I've seen some of Cody's. He does go <laughs> weird places. Yeah. Mr. Who? Look up Mr. Clutch, Cody. Mr. Clutch. Mr. Clutch. He's been invading my TikTok and... Every time I see it, I'm like, I bet Cody would think this is funny. And it makes yeah. me laugh, like, in proxy. Do you have, like, you know what I mean? Like, if you see something that you know would make your friends laugh, you <laughs> laugh. Even. Oh, yeah. I have seen this guy. Yeah, he's all over my TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I try yeah. and swipe and get rid of him. I'm like, get out of here. Get out of here. And he just pops back up. Yeah. I appreciate he's- it. It's good content. It's not my favorite, but I do appreciate it for what like, it is. Like, why, though? Like, walk me through. Is it too weird? Is it not weird enough? Is it... Um, I feel like the very first time I saw it, it was the most hilarious thing I'd ever seen, uh-huh. but it's a little long in the tooth. Like it's been going on a little bit too long. I'm not familiar but, with that phrase. Um, really? I do. I do appreciate it. Mm. Um, I wish it was a little bit darker. There was this guy that used to do <laughs> something very similar to that, that I used to send a TJ uh-huh. and it would be like. Twitch streamer trying to go pro or whatever. And then, like, it would be this yeah. dude and he'd be like, Twitch streaming. Yeah. And I, the most I watched demented all shit would be happening in his background. Yep. And he would be like, shut up, shut up. And he'd like whip people off screen. Yep. I watched it from the very beginning. I got like some of the very first ones of the, of the YouTube streamer guy and then watched it descend as he released videos into just madness. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. 
It has gotten old hat now. He's kind of like, yeah, it, he, it seems like he's scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point. That's the sad thing about it is the best ones, sometimes they just drag on a little too long. And I will say the uh, the music behind Mr. Clutch, the well, he changes music a lot, but the current like song cool, he's doing. Like yeah, not that one. The, <laughs> but the newest one is there's an artist named Dev Lemon, and she is also really fucking weird. And she just released a video for that specific song. And it is like, she's like, I can't even describe it to you. Look up Dev Lemon and look up her newest YouTube music video she just dropped. It's fucking weird. The song is really catchy. It'll get stuck in your head. Okay. Uh, so there's my free plug to you, Miss yeah. Lemon. Miss <laughs> Lemon. <laughs> Don't forget uh, Craig, Mr. Studio Man Cody person. Yeah, so oh, we can yeah. start recording all these hand Craig, Craig, folks Craig, asking us Craig, questions. Craig, 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 Craig. <laughs> Gregory, we are waiting for you. I forgot, we might be taking some calls. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the way that we're going to do it. I'd love to get a queue of hands up. Um, so raise your we hand, and then some. what we'll do is we'll alternate between questions that I got ahead of time and um, fan calls. You don't have to ask a question. Sorry, my YouTube ad is playing because I'm trying to find that video for you all. You don't have to ask a question if you just want to say something or make a comment or, you know, pr- make, keep it relevant to the home. Just crew. go and be like, hey, I just wanted to say, fuck you guys. But, um, wow. Throw it out there, you know? Hey, don't this call. Don't this call. If you want to thank anybody, then uh, you can you can do so. I'm going to be in uh, the Liam and Tiny Chat channel, not in the stage chat. I'm going to be in the channel because the stage chat fucking throws me. Um, <laughs> so if you have a last second question or question about something we've talked about, pop in there and then raise your hands. I've got a hand up already. So what I'll do. Oh, I had a hand up. Goodbye, hand. There's another hand. So let's get a queue of hands up. And I'm going to start uh, doing questions. First off, I just want to say... Uh, from the bottom of my heart, you guys, I really had a good time. Like, I really, truly feel like that was one of the, maybe the best campaign I have ever been in, let alone DM'd. That was uh, a long, I mean, we played for a long time. We played for over oh, two yeah. years. Yeah. 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 I think it's officially the longest campaign I've ever been in. Yeah, yeah, I think it's my, my, my longest one as well. It was all over the place. Um, I feel like I am not the same DM that I was when I started even. Oh, dude. It's, uh, I, I've learned a lot about little stuff to big stuff. I've learned, I've learned about balancing encounters. I've learned about uh, I, my improv has come a long way. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have. <laughs> sure. um, oh, yeah. But yeah, like, we all have. Yeah, I just thank you guys. That was out of character that was just a that was a fucking ride and it still feels weird to be off it i still can't believe i'm off it who am i if not heavy arms oliver i i do want to <sighs> say to each and every one of you uh tyrell specifically i think you should take some fucking pride in playing a human fighter basically <laughs> i guess you were technically a minute you were human though for all intents and purposes yes. you were a human you played a human fighter and played one of the uh, most, you know, growing, you know, iconic characters of the homebrew. And I feel like you didn't need anything weird for that. You didn't need, you know what I mean? Like you took a blank slate and did something really cool with it. Coyote fucking Grundle is 
legendary. That has to be one of the best characters anyone's ever made ever in anything. And your uh, everything that you have done with like the editing of the homebrew, like listening. I have been trying to listen through old episodes <laughs> up to now. And it's just, it's insane. It's like watching a fucking child grow up. It's like <laughs> awkward infant phase can barely hold its heads up to like the weird toddler phase to like, you got a strapping young lad walking around yeah. right now. Well, thank you. It's definitely like watching someone, yeah, go through college, <laughs> like <laughs> learn, learn something from nothing. Uh, Austin, I don't know if you noticed, but I gave a lot of the like story beats to you and i had you play essentially like a a very central character to the story and i threw a lot at you with being adam and things of that nature and uh i i am so i was thinking one of the questions we had made me start thinking about this and i couldn't be happier with the way that you played the role of change and the role of adam and i feel like it was so well done and like appropriate for it just i don't know you you would think we'd planned some of this stuff ahead of time but we didn't you just your your ability to mold that was just i i think i think zaldwin as far as like the story beats yeah. go was just uh, you, you can't top it like some of this stuff you can't make up you know what i mean like it's yeah. crazy the way it worked out I, I think some of our best moments together were the times where, like, we didn't anticipate each other. Yeah. You know, like, I didn't anticipate having that, like, responsibility, and you uh, didn't anticipate me <laughs> breaking your game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that episode that's just you two is one of my all-time faves, where you're just at the hotel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Six. Yeah. It was really good. And uh, Pippin, I just got to say, absolutely legendary with Nivets and Goy. Some of my like favorite like imagery that I have when I think, you know, I think back to all these big story moments. I'm a big story guy, but like for some reason, no matter how hard I try, I can't get you pushing your clone out of the skiff out of my head or <laughs> Goy and Franklin out of my head or like just some of these moments are just like impeccably done and you got me several times also i i I think austin gets a lot of the credit for getting me but you got me a lot but you had my number this campaign and like four or five times whether i showed it or not you fucking pulled some weird mage hand wake out of your asshole or guessed my uh planet number puzzle or whatever it was i just you and i hadn't interacted a ton before we started this campaign and it's been really it's been really fun getting that. He's our that's Usopp. my cheesy <laughs> stuff i don't know if i want to be our Usopp. wow can we like call the you have no choice <laughs> you are sniper king no <laughs> oh, oh, okay no i will take that i will be the sniper the king <laughs> uh, yeah i mean the, 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 the igloo his name the igloo, the, yeah, the that, coked that. up igloo, the 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 <laughs> dumpster fire, tra- like I can't even like some of these moments. I'm just like, what, what the was fuck? It? The pancakes, the uh, the omelets, the omelets. All you can eat omelets. Omelet stack. Oh my god. <sighs> so yeah, I think I think you all had a had a a hand in making this like legendary. It was a really fun campaign. Yeah, oh, and yeah. I want to thank you too because like there there, I mean you set forth this 
magnificent allegorical gauntlet, you know? Right. And I loved a lot of your, like, NPCs. Like, I especially love Phineas. Like, Phineas's whole thing. Yeah. Um, I love that take on Planeswalkers, yeah, for sure. It's also, like, interesting to see how much better I've gotten at, like, DMing because I pay attention to the shit that you're doing. And I'm just like, right. oh, that was, like, really, really fucking cool. Like, let's let's steal that. Yeah, dude. <laughs> or, or just, like, especially in combat, like, I've noticed oh, yeah. myself getting better at DMing combat because I'm not afraid to do some weird shit to my players. And that yeah. was just, like, every <laughs> encounter you had some new sneaky mechanic or new challenge in front of us. And they were just, they were really, really well. Yeah. You have throughout this whole campaign, you've definitely been like my Scorsese to my Daniel Day Lewis. Like <laughs> just like <laughs> wow. It's uh that's yeah, like I it's crazy like how much I was able to um let like my characters grow with your campaign. You just allowed me to do all that stuff. And I also learned because I've always played as a stage of one, um, needing all the attention in the universe. Um, tables <laughs> to learning how to do this dance with another player with Austin taught me how to like have that like long term growth in relationship with another character that's more than just like we're two people walking in the same direction in a story and that was really fantastic to experience the last two years alright enough cheese <laughs> Enough of the fucking cheesiness. I love you all and thank you. Let's get into some questions. And again, raise your hand, guys. And I will uh, uh, we'll, we'll go back and forth between hands and questions. First question I have is from Patreon. The Frisky Sloth asks, uh, are there any NPCs you wished you had more time with? Phineas. Phineas, for sure. Yeah, Phineas was a lot of fun. I, um... Uh... It does suck that we had such limited time with him because we were only supposed to stay for a little bit. And then we had no more chances after he left. Right. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah, just yeah. gone. <laughs> um, Wonder what he's up to. I think we would have played a whole... Uh, wait, my brain. <laughs> my brain rebooted and I can't remember anything now. Never mind. Call it circle back. <laughs> Cody, what NPC would you like some more time with? I wish we could have saw more of... Um, Van de Graaff and Maxwell and Frankie and Thorum post. Yeah. Path. Frankie. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, not even post. I think we'd have a whole different campaign if we could have taken Frankie with us. Mm. I, I I think so too. <laughs> I think I think shit got would have got a lot more weird if we would have take Frankie taken Frankie with us. I considered it. I was worried she would be her personality lent her towards like DMPC territory and sure. i didn't want to do that yeah yeah that's fair been uh, a lot more weird drug a actions before yeah. the sober up episode yeah that's true she also she also did a lot of drugs i love that uh thorum and frankie and maxwell and vanagraph are just out there like i love that i i had to keep them kind of like safe in a corner because yeah. if something did happen to you all i didn't want the universe to collapse yeah yeah Right, right. So I am in love with the fact that they're just still out there. Like, that's like one of my favorite things about the way that we left things. Pippin, what, what NPC? Zephyr, probably. 
No, actually, <laughs> no? I wanted more. Zephyr's fun just because it's Zephyr, but Franklin. out of all NPCs, it was, it's a bad guy I wish we would have interacted more with. I wanted more of Graham Bellaton. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. You know, yeah. The Yoho. Yoho, he's still out there, too. He, I know. You guys didn't stake him. He's good. I know. He, yeah. That, that was a fun time. Fun yeah, bad guy. Guy, he's still I mean, living. He's an immortal, too. So, like, he's still out there. Yeah. Just he was, begrudgingly he was say indeed one of the commander fights that you did not win. Really? Yeah, oh. He was, he was on the Lathander, and he got off just fine. He is still out there. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Fucking Zoros nerd. <laughs> I thought it was a fun little. I, I thought it would have been a fun little callback to the. Yeah. To him, I had to buff him up quite a bit though, because you guys yeah, barely round two, broke baby. a sweat on him, like level fourteen. Like round two, prepare to get. Jeez, yeah, right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago. That fight. <laughs> that was a fight, though. That was a. It was. Oh, yeah. I got banished and then brought back. So as that much I was as not like there, the beginning of Terra was not like my favorite of all of the time we spent playing, but the final like two episodes, the like fight and the like finding of all the shit and the mm-hmm. fight with him are like still like probably some of my favorite stuff happened there, especially the fight with him because the like the uh, being hung from the cliff, the banishment into. Like, all of the, like, we, like, broke so many things trying to get the fuck away from him. Right. And we it did, was we, a, so one of much the best problem uses of banishment I've ever seen. Yeah. Yep. So many problem-solving abilities that we used against him. It was, like, really fun. Because we were playing, we basically were all playing utility uh, players. Because we, yeah. we had, what, two? Uh, Who was that? That was Billy. Billy Carl. Billy Carl. Nivets Mordecai and Nivets. And Nivets. Mm-hmm. So it was like spell casting and utility. And that's all we were. And we all were just using crazy amounts of stuff to like right. not die. Yeah. <laughs> it was really fun. Arkos has one of my favorite quotes. Graham lives on. The uh, thousand years of darkness that are about to come, I think, are going to be a vampire wow. and frog war. In fact, we'll see oh, how, that, how that turns out. Just one... One potential future, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good thing we won't have to be there to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you will, just not you, quote unquote. Here's a fun question for Cody and for Pippin. Uh, Cody, oh, wait, I got a hand up. Oh, hand went down. Y'all with the hands got to be more patient. Whoever had their hand up, if you want to raise it again, I'll pick you real quick. Dee, 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 dee. Three, two, one. You lost your chance. Uh, so, question for Cody and Pippin. Um, in case of a death, did either of you have a character concept or idea in the wings? Yes, I did. Do tell. I... Do tell. Well, you're going to get to meet him because he's going <laughs> to join us in Cyberpunk Red, motherfuckers. <laughs> nice. Uh, yep. Cody oh, experienced no deaths. Uh, Pippin nice. half experienced to death, but uh, yeah, Franklin saved him. That that was who me and Austin were fighting for who could have the most deaths. You guys were. <laughs> it was <laughs> it does scary. Listen, I'm 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 a little bit nervous about death to be honest with you because I'm I'm a little overdue for a death. I haven't died in a fortnight, and I just don't want any of my babies to die. But 
I mean, eventually someone's gonna, right? You can't live forever. It's probably gonna be in Cyberpunk. Yeah, in Cyberpunk Red will probably be when that happens. It is a. I also have a backup character for Cyberpunk Red. Brutal system. I will say, like, with all of the cinematic stuff, I think now that we're done, this can be said with, with, as far as deaths go, Oliver never had any DM saves to his death scenes. So he never on the dice died. Um, and when I finally thought he was going to die on the dice and because of Ultra Wake, Cody fucking saved him, which mm-hmm. was not scripted. I had no fucking idea he had kept that stupid fucking thing in his inventory this entire <laughs> game. It was a complete and utter surprise to me. Yeah. But yeah, Oliver actually made it from 1 to 20 all the way from the beginning to end without any, like, none of his, like, our death scenes and stuff that we had for him were, um, there was no, like, God handing to keep him alive in, in, in the game. Nope. We rolled okay. the dice secretly behind and there was, like, you know, the beach episode and stuff like that, but... That was rolled, me and Grant rolled that out, and Oliver did live. Um, but yeah, so now that it's all over, you know that Oliver never yeah. died. Now, my secondary characters, well, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tevian didn't die on the dice either. Tevian was fucking... Tevian killed himself. Suicidal. <laughs> and then <Yeah>. sacrificed himself. <laughs> In both cases. So Let right. me... Uh... Huh, we have a uh, certain Mr. Katzenberger who is on the line. Hey there, Austin. How you doing? Hey there, guys. Living the dream. Oh, Living the long dream. time listener, many time caller. <laughs> yeah. Great to have you. I just wanted to say I absolutely loved this entire season all the way through and the amount of joy and tears that i had to hide at work while listening to this podcast was insane (laughs) so i just wanted to ask what were the most emotionally impactful moments for you not just like the most epic scenes but the things that really tugged on your heartstrings Mm. that is an absolutely excellent question uh let's go down the line austin what was your most emotionally charged moment man the one that sticks with me the most i guess there's there's i hate to beat this guy there's two there's one which was the first time that i realized what kind of character i was going to play and i got upset with the slaughter at prosperity bay and just i i think i in character yelled at carl um and i got like legitimately worked up and i was like mm. oh shit this is this is who zaldwin is mm. and then the other time was uh the hotel um needing to make this decision with you know other people's characters and trying to plot this future for all of us it was it, it like got me legitimately worked up and i was like distressed um Mm. uh in all in a absolutely good way you know like that's good fucking storytelling um when you're presented with impossible decisions and impossible choices cody how about you i think the the one that hit me the hardest early on was the jerky room where we saw the people get turned into jerky and then mordecai got killed and billy was crying and killed the civilians and then blew up the machine and all that stuff that, that was rough for me because I just, I don't know, I didn't even know how to process it myself, let alone roleplay it. Mm. So I just felt like I 
came across like a deer in the headlights, which is probably exactly the way I was supposed to play that. You know, like Carl is a kid and he might act hard and shit, but at the end of the day, he's still a kid. Mm. He's seen some shit, but he, there's always more shit to see. <laughs> um, I think late, late game, it's obviously the beach episode. I mean, that literally drove mm. me to yeah, I sobbing think we on all, air. Yeah, I think we all cried. Oh, I was going to bring yeah. it up if anybody else didn't. That, that's <laughs> one of my... We all cried that episode. Yeah. Uh, Tyrell, what was yours? Um, obviously, I think for at least a little bit for everyone, like we all got a lot of tears during the beach episode. But um, that everything leading up to that, I think the episodes leading up to the, the drug redemption um, episodes hit me really, really hard at home and on a very real level. And... Uh, translating that into game was intense and seeing all my friends like have such a visceral reaction to it too was really cool um and that's that is i mean that whole i think it was two episodes that like w one of my proudest moments into one of my like most upsetting moments in the campaign um hmm. was super powerful and super super uh, a roller coaster of emotions yeah and Pippin? Well, we've already brought up most of them, but one of mine is actually one of the most recent, one of the ending. When Zaldwin made it sound like he was just going to delete himself from being changed. They're like, yeah. You could just hear it in Nivets. Yeah. It was like, what? <laughs> that, that was just me, like, actually being, what? <laughs> I was, like, literally about to the crowd. I was like, that's not how it's supposed to end. No, that what? <laughs> yeah, I heard that. I will say, um, if it didn't come through for everyone at home, like Pippin does not protest. Like, you know what I mean? Like Pippin's not a protester. He will go along with like anything. Yeah. And so to hear him speak up and to hear that like timber in his voice, I was like, oh shit! Like that was very real. That came through for me too. You yeah, all can thank uh, Oliver for saving Zeldon's life because, <laughs> like, I was gonna delete myself. I was like, you know what? This is this is yeah. the way to sacrifice. But like, Oliver kept reinforcing, "We do this together." You know, like we've done it apart for so long. We well, gotta you saved do it together. him enough times. <laughs> right? He had, to, yeah. he had to give you one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I. I am a. I'm a. Uh, you, everyone heard my two, like my voice cracked a little bit at the very, very end monologue and at the, um, the part when I said that, uh, what, you know, the end of the beach episode, the one that you probably didn't hear because it didn't happen until I logged off was, uh, I fully, I would fully said goodbye to Stabs and Zoros who maybe weren't on the campaign as much for you all. But I mean, this is a story been in my head for like three years and these characters were very important to me. And I had fully said goodbye to them, uh, fully expecting. I, I didn't even think there was a possibility that um, death would not um, kill Zoros. Like kill Zoros. Like, like you can't come back. Yeah. And I, when he didn't, I... I, I like didn't process it right away and then I got off and then I realized that he had spared stabs and that fucking sent me. I don't know why. Like the <laughs> idea that my that uh yeah, that character got to really got a second chance 
I guess. Not a, it wasn't even a second chance. Like Stabs didn't do anything wrong, but the the idea that he got to he he got a real solid go at you know the nurture part of life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, yeah that that was pro- that was the one y'all probably didn't hear because I don't even know if everyone kind of caught the uh, the gravity of the fact that death did not claim Zoros's soul, but he he essentially he he spared stabs and stabs was kind of dear to my heart as a you know a part of that character that would live on so that was that's mine that that one that one kept me awake for a while that was over a month over a month of telling myself when i get to zoros it ends with zoros mhm and then in the moment and hearing the fucking phone call. Hearing, was it the phone call? <laughs> hearing stabs and that just, was his exit. That was his. That was his like peace yeah. out. So hearing him and just hearing that like pure like I don't know. There's like an innocence in it. There was like a he attached to us and was living like it was my whole mantra through the whole campaign. A single line that you said. That I said one time trying to answer a riddle that I held on to through the whole campaign is live how you want to live, die how you want to die. I just it, – it just kept coming back. And when I heard him, I was like, I'm a hypocrite if I don't let Stabs mm. live how he wants to live and die how he wants to die. I have to yeah. give him a chance at life. And so it's like me as death if it was just Zoros. That's one thing. He's lived mm-hmm. his life. He made his choice. He's meeting death. But he yeah. was attached to this other being that I thought was just as important and just as worthy. And I just couldn't bring myself to do it in the end. Yeah. That was really, really impactful for me. Um, we got a hand up. Keep <laughs> your hand up, please. I am going to do a written question and then uh, next caller for sure. Um, so let me find my place again. There we this go. Place Sorry about that. Brought to you by Ricky rats. <laughs> I don't know if it was ever stated, but Oliver had the ability to change what happened with souls and death. Uh, did he ever change the rules? And if so, what were the changes? Oh, the rules for the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I didn't. Within the camp, the, within the confines of the campaign, no, I did not. I was planning to um, make those decisions after we handled Zoros. Um, I'm not expecting what happened once we got to the uh convergence Mm. so so potential future campaign spoilers if we go to the new universe yeah yeah okay all right well there you go uh the power to change the rules of death remains uh and i get to have a whole universe without resurrection still so i'm happy (laughs) (laughs) we've got a caller Miles Matheson, welcome to Liaman's Tiny Chat. How are you doing? Hey, hey, doing pretty good. Uh, my question is for Grant. Um, hey, there. do you is there ever been a moment that you wish you had more or few players? Uh, yeah, that's an absolutely fantastic question. I have never wished for fewer players. I would absolutely love more players. I. It's just a preference thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with um, different table sizes. But playing on Sanity Damage and DMing World Weavers and even the pods that I listen to 
for leisure, which I guess it's not leisure anymore, right? Like I'm listening to this podcast to fucking get good. Right, yeah. Yep. So I, I consider it like my job to be up to date on all of the major content <laughs> podcasts. I have found that I think six is my sweet spot. That is uh, World Weavers really did it for me. I loved having six people. Um, I have done five in my home group for years. So I've been playing D&D for like fucking 14 years. And it was always five. And I liked five. But then I played with six and I was like, this is it. I think one more person would probably be too many for me. But uh, six is like that. I don't know. That like magic number. There's no there's never any odd one out. Um, It's very often you'll come to Forks in the Road and you'll have um, instead of like three people wanting to do one thing and then one person not speaking up or I I don't know. It, It feels like there's more room to like disagree almost yes with there's more people constructive yeah. conflict and um what do you call it like advocates so the, yeah. even the quieter players almost always have an advocate on their side so if they have a, a a feeling about something there's almost always another player who feels the same way and then like petitions for them yeah you never i, I feel like you have people on an island less with six people because a lot of times in D&D, you fall into this like this or that. And I feel like when you have six people, it's this or that or that. And then like very rarely do you have people, um, I don't know, having to bring their own like <laughs> conflict skills to the table. Which like, you know what I mean? It, it, I don't know. It, I, I, six, is, six is my magic number. Um, I, I also, my only critique of this group is we don't have a note taker. That's like the only thing I would say about this group. That's <laughs> like, I've never played in a campaign without someone taking notes before. This is my shout first time. Shout out to Andy at Power Andy, World shout Leaders, out to who has Jaren. compendiums for her shows that she's on. <laughs> Jaren. Knows more about the show than the DM does. Mike, uh, Emily, I, 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 a lot, uh, the note, everybody right now. Thank you, note taker. I don't care yeah. who you are. Yeah. I don't care what table you're at. Give them a hug. Uh, thank them and say, hey. <laughs> and if you're a DM and you have a note taker in your group, thank them. Because um, I've heard from a lot of people trying to get people to take notes that it, it's, it can be kind of hard to focus. So um, I'd always just taken it for granted. And I understand now that that's a skill. And um, I have to take notes or I can't pay attention. It's the other way for me. Like, if I'm not writing while I'm listening, my brain will start doing the Macarena on a mountain somewhere with disco balls. But, like, I, uh, yeah, that's my only only complaint about this this group is it was a challenge having uh, no note taker. It's not much of a criticism. It's just a just a little thing where it was like, you would know this. You would you would know this without DM intervention if you had a if you had a, a Jaren who was yes. my home note taker or Mike or emily or a uh uh andy andy cheats though i will say this andy i, I love you <laughs> but she does cheat she she's a cheater n- note taker she doesn't she goes back and listens and takes notes like the kid in class Ooh. who sat there with like their laptop recording i feel that like that's even that's above and beyond yeah that's like extra again <laughs> Again, thank them. Thank your note takers. They all deserve thanks. She goes back and listens. She can come with a fresh mind. There's no bias. She's like, <laughs> oh, I missed that. Ooh, here, let's put that in the notes. Uh, everyone agrees that's not cheating. So I recant my 
my joke I'm, I'm going to just be the odd one out and say it's cheating. Just so there's a, <laughs> See? A no one's on an island. Not everyone has the resources. <laughs> um, we can barely write our inventory information. This person's out here. It's okay. Everybody else And using Andy, software get to get notes in. <laughs> making us look bad. Oh, man. Um, so let's go to uh, next question. Um, I'm going to work down the line here. I Crew, I apologize. Some, seems like an abnormal amount of these were for me, which I guess makes sense because it's like end of the campaign. Sure. So yeah. please don't let me, don't leave me out here by myself. <laughs> please jump in and comment. Uh, so Sleepy Elf Gnome asks, uh, last episode tarot card scene. I guess I'm going to kind of warp this question a little bit. Sorry, Sleepy Elf Gnome. What did you guys think of that scene? Do you guys remember the tarot card scene with uh, Lyra? From the Dreamer's yeah. Tower. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, any that lady takes we on that? Yeah. I was like, love the scene, hate the lady. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you hate her? She didn't. I just detested her. She's yeah. an asshole. I okay. swear, I swear it's literally just herd mentality. I swear that I was cursed and I was a dick. And everyone was like, we're supposed to hate this lady. <laughs> and like, like, Billy, <laughs> Billy's being an asshole to her. We should all also hate this lady. I don't know what she no. did, but it's there ride or die, baby. Really likable about her, though. She was mm. mob mentality. Also, Cody and I have uh, what do you call it? A conflict of interest on her too. The Dreamer's Tower is a reference to a previous campaign that neither of us necessarily enjoyed. I didn't so have some that baggage. Player bias to it. As <laughs> I well. did not have that baggage. <laughs> I met her in a previous life. No, you didn't. Well, her her essence. <laughs> Wait, no, well, the didn't. essence. Where she was from. In a future life? Not from. Just where just she was tower. headed. Where just she was tower. headed. Yeah, that's a, that's accurate. Um, do, we do saw you guys the fruits have any... of her labor, and we were not impressed. <laughs> Did you? Uh, for all you know, they were the only motherfucking life left in the universe. That's true. That's true. So... Maybe that was the win. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> in the 41st <laughs> millennium, there is only war. Uh... <laughs> Well, and do you guys have any <laughs> Tell insights? That to my brother who is working in the salt mines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any insights from the tarot cards scene? Do you guys remember what cards you got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the superstar. What do you think that's all about, Cody? I don't know. I, it could be a reference to the next campaign. Um, mm. Considering that I'm going to be a superstar. Okay. But I'm already a superstar, and Carl was a superstar, and Grundle was a superstar. So. Grundle was a superstar. I will give you that. <laughs> so it that that was their question is is this a reference to season two? Uh, not specifically. Um, it is a. There was a couple nods to season. Sorry, bless my soul. Um, there was a couple nods to season two in there. I won't tell you which ones. So you'll find out. And there was a couple insights into the uh larger narrative also which had been hinted at a few times through like the preview awake arc and uh the dreamer's tower previously and some of the tarot stuff so the father the mother the door uh the prophets um those different avatars and stuff have cropped up before and it's going to be a major theme um of some of the next stuff so it was um yeah it was it was it was just kind of like opening I don't know what you call it, like foreshadowing some of the next parts of the lore. And second part of Sleepy Elf Gnome's question was any cameos or nods to campaign one popping up in campaign two? Absolutely. I will tell you the opening monologue for campaign two 
references <laughs> campaign one at least four times. <laughs> wow. Um, it is picking up directly, like literally directly um, following this occurrence. Um, and if you remember uh, Granny Kellen saying that she was going off to that new planet they discovered, uh, that's that was me setting up campaign two. That is where so Granny Kellen will be in this next one. I uh, hope that answers your question, Sleepy Elf Gnome. Um, let's see here. Zaldwin, I'm going to warp this question a little bit for you. If you could have any other mutations, what would you Ooh. what would you mutate on Zaldaboy? Um, man, I, I, the flight was really clutch. Um, and the, the tail was also something that f- made me feel like I was up to snuff with the other fighters in the group. Um, mm. especially like catching up to Grundle and Oliver with their like insane damage that, that was extremely helpful to get, you know, get up to that point where I felt more useful in combat um i'm always a fan of like cheeky little things um so like you know taking a little bit of magic using a little bit of magic was was also really good i can't imagine what more mutations would be maybe like chitinous skin you know something to Mm. boost ac or something like that but really realistically like late game you're mostly avoiding saving throws it's not really about whether something will hit you or not because chances are it's going to fucking hit you um (laughs) so ac becomes like irrelevant once you get to a certain level i feel at least when i'm fighting grant's monsters um but yeah i always thought of something like some sort of uh resistances or something like that something to do with uh Zelda boys, uh, like carapace. Mm. Yeah, you didn't want your eyes to mutate and get like heat vision, true, true sight, sight, and all stuff. Oh, like that. true sight would true <laughs> sight. Yeah, <clears throat> actually be able to see all the different layers and stuff. Just now, just because you can see it doesn't mean you don't get doesn't mean you can hit it. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, that's kind kind of one of the problems that um you run into with pathfinder and i think it came through in our campaign because of how much i powered everything up is the only thing with having things that powerful is you run into like some stat squish not squish like squishiness squish like the only way to make the monsters harder is to give them a shit ton more hp um Mm -hmm. and then like there becomes a point where it's like you have the ability to get so much ac that the attacks have to do you know what I mean? They have to be able to overcome that AC or uh, and then when you get to the point where they can overcome that AC, then you're basically trivializing people that aren't built around AC. So, yeah, you saw me counteracting that through some different mechanics and putting less kind of caster creatures in the end. Also, I tried to keep things uh, difficult in other ways than... Mm-hmm. The buff debuff stuff. Final fight. Fucking chef's kiss, though. Like, as oh, much yeah. as we hated, loved it, the and the randomization of it all. I think that's mm. the fucking key. Like, I loved I, it so much. Yeah, because that could have gone so, that could gone in anybody's favor. Zoros mm-hmm. could have fucking got our number, or Zoros could have got fucked, and we you get a little bit of both. 
like yeah, it did it, it, it beautifully little... kind of evened out like you yeah. got fucked in the middle and it felt uh, so good oof. and it felt so good baby it did it all, on all fronts it felt i that's <laughs> one of the, my big compliments to this whole campaign as a straight fighter as like a nova burst fighter like i felt the entire campaign like like a world eater from 40k i don't know if you guys know what that is but i don't it, it's a it's a space marine chapter of like berserkers but like being in the thick of it the world eater. and they're they're the world <laughs> eaters but they are they're just um um i was in the thick of it i was in the mess i was you know just always like face to face in the fight and as powerful as i was as powerful as i felt there was always like damage there was always like i was taking blow for blow like i was always hurt i was always like it felt visceral i don't know like mm-hmm. that's what i live yeah. for like i love living on the edge of the knife in gameplay and that's what makes combat fun for me is like one wrong move and we're done for i like love it and it, but some people do that to you by taking away your feeling of power and i don't think there's ever anyone would ever argue that oliver isn't powerful um but like you know, I looked at some of these fights in the eye and I was like, Oliver might not make it through this encounter. And then like coming out, you know, edge of my teeth, every single resource exhausted and just beat the shit out of. But Victorious was fucking just felt awesome hmm. every time. I just loved it. That in yeah. the end, I did over almost 2000 damage Nova at the end of the campaign. So that was. Cool yeah. Too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was. That was nuts. Just want to say, you may have gotten fucked in the middle in that last fight, but Nivitz and Goy felt a lot more <laughs> fucked than that. I'm, I'm certain Gray felt the same way. <laughs> yeah, me and Grundle felt like it was a fair, a totally fair battlefield, but yeah. our our casters would probably feel a little bit different. Grundle, Grundle jumping wasn't around. too bad off that fight. He was, like, bloodied, but... Nivitz was running from 60-foot zones of no magic that latch on. I it was can't, <laughs> again, it was random. I didn't oh, I know. Anticip- and I, I, I never the intended I there to saying. be that many anti-magic fields on the on the board. I didn't still love the that. fight, loved everything. It's just just saying. It's like, oh, oh my god, god I forgot to tell you about this fucking move I thought you were going to do, TJ. And it would have been really cool. I don't want to take can I tell you about the move without it yeah. trivializing what you did do? No, 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 not at all. Okay. So the point of the power word kill bots um, and the anti-magic bots were that the power, the anti-magic bots would suppress the delayed power word kill. So if you got power word killed, you were supposed to, and I didn't want to like hand you the, you, no one really did it, but you were supposed to get into oh, a yeah, anti-magic yeah, total field sense. to suppress it while you were waiting. And there was oh. one turn when you were trying, it was the first time Goy was almost dead, and I measured your movement, and you could have run up to Mr. Goy and grappled the anti-magic bot to Mr. Goy. I measured it. It oh. totally would have worked. Yeah. My mind is blown. That, that It would have been <laughs> the That would have been, yeah, that would have been it. I was like, holy shit, he's going to, because you were measuring, and I was like, he's going to do that. He's going to fucking do it. And I was going to have Zoro smash that anti-magic bot. And then I realized, oh, TJ's going to fucking grapple it. Uh, but she didn't. Uh, I just want to let you know. I It would have been fucking 
some faker shit for sure. <laughs> um, League of Legends reference randomly. Sorry about that, everyone. Faker <laughs> is not a thing. Um, Grant, <laughs> do you have any NPCs you thought would be a bigger thing than they were? Uh, Lyra, Dreamer's Tower. We all know that. Yep. And or any that didn't get the chance to get introduced. Yeah, I had all sorts of characters that didn't get introduced. Um, I that are in the vaults. I I guess one funny story this brings to mind for some reason was Greg was not Greg. That's not his name was not Greg. I based um this character who had a patron name off of the character Greg from Succession. And when it came time, I said the wrong name. And so his name was just Greg. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice. Um, but Greg from Metacore is, if you picture him, is based on Greg from Succession. That's, oh, that's right. the story. Hmm. I, still, I still love um, that Tyler was not a character. Tyler yeah. was not a character that was, at that all. That was right out of the ass of Well, Grant then why did you write him into the game? He was just, he was an NPC, like a literal, like, <laughs> you walk past NPC. He had spoken lines. He's like, hey, I'm the fucking assistant to Jean-Paul. If this was a film, he would be a paid actor. He has lines. He had a line. And you <laughs> grabbed him more and than I got. him. He would, be, he would be played by Chris Pratt. Oh, oh God. God. I was thinking don't. more like... Um, God, what's his name? The guy who played Scott Pilgrim, he was in everything for a Michael minute. Sarah. Yeah, Michael that's 100% Sarah. Tyler. Oh, Michael Sarah, for sure. 100%. I agree with that casting. For sure. Uh, Michael Sarah, nice <laughs> to meet you. Your name's fucking Tyler now. <laughs> Did we ever Heavy figure Oliver out? Is Adam Driver. End of story. Who is? Wow. Adam Driver. Heavy Arms Oliver. Adam Driver. Heavy Arms Oliver. Oh, fair enough. I could that's- see that. He'd have to lose some weight, though. You can do that. He's been skinny before. That's a great. I mean, did we have we ever done the actor thing? Oh, I think a long time ago. Who would play? Uh, who would play Zaldwin? You know, I I think yeah, this is this is cheesy, but fucking Chalamet with a shit ton of oh, prosthetics on. Yes, Chalamet. He's got dude, the cheekbones and the jaw for Chef it. Chef kiss, dude. That's perfect casting. You're right, hundred percent. I love that. What about uh? What about Carl and Grundle? Um, I can't think of his name. Batista, Dave Batista head, should be Grundle. But um, uh, what's his name? He was in the Umbrella Academy. He played number five. Oh, oh yeah. Number five is which one? Is that the one with dead, talks to dead people? Or no? Oh, oh no. okay. Number five is the time traveler, right? Yes. Yes. The the one who's stuck as a boy, even though he's an adult. He's like stuck as a kid, and I think that he would be great casting for Carl with a fair. Yes, yeah, Jordy LaForge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like. That I want to see Grundle like as Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Oh. Was <laughs> I was going to say Danny DeVito for Nimitz. <laughs> that's what I've always. He's always been the person I've had as Nimitz. Ooh, is Danny DeVito? <laughs> that's good. Danny DeVito has been my uh, go-to for Nivets since I day just one. I think that Drax is very close to Grundle's personality, and Dave Bautista would play Grundle well. Ooh, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, he's got the right body type. He's just not big enough. He's just not big enough. Well, no one's big enough. You know, the CGI him a little bit, but... <laughs> 
Can he scream really, really deep? Yeah, he's got whoever it is has to be able to do the the roar. Do the roar. God, want, right, uh, for your audition, we're going to need you to do the roar. Who's go- <laughs> who's goy? It Oof. needs to be someone very uncomfortably androgynously good looking, because that's how I picture Mister Goy since the very beginning. No, I think that's accurate. Okay, good. I was like, I, I was mean, like, if he that- was still alive, he could be David Bowie. Ooh, Bowie, that would have been cool. Yeah. Who do you have in mind, Goy or Pippin? Yeah. Do you have any ideas for him? Tall, skinny, proper men. Uh, I kind of thought of like Benedict. Ben- Cumberbund. Bender Dick. <laughs> Bender Dick Cumberbund. Bender Dick. <laughs> uh, Why yeah. can't I say his name at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I can't say his name. Oh, maybe Jude Law in his younger years. Hmm. Like I was when he gonna... played in. Uh, uh, he has the voice. I feel like he has a good Mister Goy voice. Um, you know when yeah. he's the sex robot in um sex robot artificial intelligence. Oh, a little boy. I think he's got a good voice for Goy. I like, I like the voicing. If you could age Tom Felton for for like okay. fifteen years, you know, get him, get him a little bit older. Yeah. yeah, if I could pick a voice for Zoros, I would go with Steve Buscemi for sure. Oh, nice, <laughs> Buscemi. Mm-hmm. Who plays? You Tabby? know, if we were doing stunt casting for Goy, I guess, I guess it could be Goldblum. <gasps> Oh, that'd be cool. I would love to have Goldblum play one of my characters. It changes my yeah. It changes changes my image of him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's but he's kind of sexy in the same way. He's got the mannerisms a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But I do think he would have to act a little bit less Goldblum and a little bit you know more Goy. Have you seen Jeff Goldblum act? He always plays Jeff Goldblum. He always plays Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum as Jeff Goldblum. He's one of those actors that that's but that's why it would be what you go for. <laughs> um, yeah, and I refuse to. No part can be played by Chris Pratt. He's he's done enough for cinema. Yeah. <laughs> <He's done laughs> Even enough. Ricky Rat? No, just no. Just, <laughs> the only way I'd let him be in <laughs> it is if he was someone who was invisible, like they did with uh, a flatling. Uh, yeah, like that guy in, in um, Deadpool two. Deadpool two. Um, um, okay. We uh we have more questions to get to. Okay. Did we ever find out who or what the usurper was? Is that one's bugging me? Uh, the usurper—that's a hard word for me to say. I apologize. Is father is the one who is chained to the skull. Yeah, we, he met, is, we met him. He is uh his crime is extinction, and he's still there. Um, so I don't think I can. Give you more than you already have, um, other than the the name father uh, and the crime. You know what I mean? Um, he was responsible for the interdimensional, like demonic invasion, uh, and he also overthrew Gemdegron. So yeah, I, he's still there. I don't know. I I don't think I can tell you more of his story. Uh, but I think there's some inferences that can be made if you're willing to go down that hole. Um, uh, Tobio asked how much of this uh, of the lore was abstract. Uh, I love this question. Um, I tried very hard to make sure that any abstraction was reserved for the ruins. Uh, anything that was Adam's direct creation was likely an abstraction. So, for example, the hotel, uh, room number six, 
all mm-hmm. of the ruins that they were in. Uh, you need to remember that change had seen everything and nothing was permanent to him. Nothing was, he was changed. And so nothing, the people he met, the things they did, he had done them a thousand times and only he remembered what he had done other than like there's an abstraction in the very last ruin with mommy, who's obviously the mother card who can also remember, but nothing is real to someone who everything is real to, if that makes sense. So anything in a ruin was abstraction. So for example, the like superhero ruin was, uh, that's what happened, but that's not exact. It was, it was more of a parable. The actual beings that they took the powers from were uh, in the core that they fought. Joy and uh, death, um, those were actual simulations of the beings that the original adventurers took the powers from. So I tried my best to make sure that any abstraction was reserved for uh things that dealt with the lost things that dealt with adam things that adam had created like the ruins but everything that happened happened everything there's not a single act that came out of my mouth that did not happen or was quote-unquote undone or anything of that nature everything that happened happened um the details and such i would say were more abstract i hope that's I don't think Tobio is listening live, but hopefully that's the answer you were looking for. Uh, hmm. Let's see here. Austin. Yes. Did you consider using Wish for a different purpose in the final episode? It wouldn't have felt like Zaldwin, but it would have felt a lot like Adam. Yes. Uh, and that's actually something that I really thought about was like, do I do I act like change or do I act like Zaldwin? And at the end, like I think acting as Zaldwin was the right call. Um, but what you know, you like I could have wished for a lot of things. I could have wished that like time didn't exist. You know, like I could have been like a true jerk, right? But I think it was really, really came down to what Oliver Oliver's influence on Zaldwin I feel like Zaldwin had influenced Oliver to the point of like survive right like don't you're not disposable and in these final moments it's it's just like okay how do I treat people as like non disposable you know like Adam would have treated things and promises and ideas as disposable that but that's not who Zaldwin is so yeah, there was like a lot of things that like ran through my mind, um, but ultimately I they were just like blink of an eye things. Like I they I did not spend any time really um, trying to push the dark side of of Zaldwin. I there have been multiple times during this campaign where I was like, okay, this is where Zaldwin goes dark. Um, hmm. And the hotel helped that a lot. Um, the hotel was when I decided that Zaldwin was going to use Wake, you know, because Zaldwin kept it in the world. It's it's his responsibility that it exists. And therefore, you know, like, why wouldn't Zaldwin use it? Um, mm. 
and and stuff like that. So um, there was lots of temptation to be be a bad guy at the very end, but I was like, <laughs> that's, that's that's not Zaldwin. That's that may be Adam, but that's not Zaldwin. Are Zaldwin sandals the toe thing or the strap across the top type? <laughs> Ooh, uh, I always imagine them as uh, like tabby sneakers, like like toe toe sneakers, or or maybe those like samurai flip flops, the ones that are made out of wood. That's what um, I always imagine, like samurai shampoo shit. Oh that's yeah, a, yeah, sure. with the Hawaiian button up. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. <laughs> Love it. I've never seen these shoes before, and I didn't need to actually see them. I don't think the tabby sneakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I they feel don't about look it. Comfortable? Do you like walking barefoot? Although it's interesting, if you Google samurai shoes, the first thing you get look more like tabby shoes than the wooden things. Yeah, like interesting. Ninja, like samurai jacks. Pippin, I I think this is a good question. I think we owe the audience some explanation on this. Um, uh, Mister Goy's backstory sounded really cool in the flashback. Um, why didn't we revisit that? I know you and I kind of misaligned for a little bit on there do you want to talk about mr goy's story at all some fun behind the scenes for everybody now now you put me on the spot and i wasn't ready to talk about it <laughs> what this is what we're here for <laughs> i the know real- but that's, i wasn't ready oh boy now i just had it in my head i was like i have something what if zaldwin would have wished that it was time's idea that destruction was you know placed away you know sealed away but ask me about Goy's background, and I'm just all flustered now. <laughs> but, uh, so what exactly was, uh, what was the question again? <laughs> uh, just, so, like, I tried to pop some backstory in for Goy. Yes. And I think you had the same reaction as you're having right now, where, like, you weren't ready for it or something. Uh, and then... I think I kind of hands off it a little bit, but what um, talk to us about Goya's backstory? And I remember that episode when I kind of softballed you a brother without any warning was a little bit of a. What's weird a about bit. hearing you say it like that is like those whole things. I was like, yeah, those are canonical. I I I, I actually really liked having the serial killer brother with like you know we had the uh-huh. the I don't know if it was. In the ruin the first time, so it wasn't quite reality, but, you know, like, memory. You said it's, like, kind of abstract, but it was memory, but not. I don't know if it was 100% real, but mm-hmm. I loved that scene. You know, you get to see the the younger versions of Goy and his brother dealing with his early so- sociopath. Uh, being a sociopath. Sure. And then I loved the everybody's favorite, one of their favorite episodes, where you get to go into the minds of each of the characters. Yeah. And you just get to see Goy in his self-loop because, you know, every time he's just like still doing Goy things and not breaking the cycle. And I I loved it. I mean, what does things, happen to your brother? If I if I give you the reins on that, like what ha- what's what's this if we delved more into that, I would love for him to show up maybe as a serial killer-esque person on the new planet in Ooh. campaign two because i think he would hire gang well get a group of uh what are they called when they have too many cybernetics and are just murderous oh, cyber psychosis or cyber psychos yeah. cyber psychos just kind of having a cyber psychos 
crew. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Like, Mr. Goy's brother is not out of play. No, it's I, I I was always kind of waited for him. But at the same time, there was it's I didn't want to push him to be like the forefront of the story if that wasn't like a planned NPC to be there. You know, it's like I wasn't gonna force him into the limelight because sure. at the time, you know, we we love our our camp our crew two boys, but at the same time they were crew two for a reason. We were at least up until like episode sixties and stuff like that. They expected that, you know, if you were gonna lose somebody, it would probably be one of them. Yeah. Um, and so it's like I, I I don't wanna have this awesome new character and then go away die and then there's <laughs> no connection for this character to take place in. Yeah. Um well that hey, there you go. So there's your answer is that we will uh Mr. Goy's brother is still in play and some more sibling relationships will be explored. Uh was the Neuronethemir fight winnable? Yeah, hundred percent. Uh I, I yeah, you, you won and the monster had stats and I was getting very, very, very hairy, and I was worried. I will tell you, I was worried about that fight. Um, Austin really pushed the dice, <laughs> and they could have one roll away from having to fight a crazed Gem de Gron. Uh, yeah. That was scary. Like, that's probably the closest we've been to chaos <laughs> that uh that was scary um but yeah the fight was winnable um i even think that uh they were close i can't remember i think he had in the realm of like 200 ish hp near the end but the crew was fucked up like that that was a knockdown drag out fight neuronethemir fight was nuts yeah yeah his flashy samurai sword bounce around thing was like, oh, if you move, yeah. you, you were like fucked. Yeah, I like that. That was a fun little yeah. beginning. If anyone else wants to raise their hand and say anything to the crew, now is pretty much your last chance. I'm going to blow through some more questions here and make sure no one feels unheard. And uh, yeah, if you want to say anything, raise your hand now and I will answer in just a moment. Um, so... What do we have to do to get Azoro's interlude story? Uh, I don't know. I'll say, let me let me think about it. Let me sit with it. Uh, are there loads of lost in the prime existence? Are they meant to play a different part? Uh, yeah, there are plenty of lost left in the prime existence. Um, they did not take all the life. They did not destroy PE 36. Uh, yeah. So there are still absolutely souls that do not fit in the normal flow of things. Uh, motherless forces of destruction. Technically, they aren't motherless anymore. Uh, yeah, they are. Um, I think you have a little M in your head. And when I say motherless, I mean capital M, a proper name, motherless. And it's fun to, fun, fun to maybe listen back to some of that stuff with the capital F and the capital M with mother and father back there. Uh, Grant, what's the biggest curveball the crew has thrown in terms of planning? 100% the jailbreak. Not a <laughs> fucking <laughs> doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um, the sacred animal. They actually didn't. I'm a serial planner, so like 
a lot of times I was prepared for certain contingencies, but like that was mind boggling. And, and fuck me for trying to do a cutscene too with these people. Like that was a hundred percent serves me right for like trying to, like you asked me, was the neuronethamir fight winnable? Like, yeah, I almost always do not do like cutscene type stuff like that. Um, I try to keep like stakes high. And so like, it's funny that I did try to do that. And they were like, no, no, we're leaving <laughs> with Evendall, no less. <laughs> no, and we're going to And we're going through a plant. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh man. man. Enjoy your free tree. I yeah, that, that. that was a hundred percent the biggest curveball that they threw me. Um, and that is actually how Stabs was born. So I Stabs was not a character until I lost that opportunity. I I started to panic near the end that I hadn't Zoras was still just a faceless bad guy out there. And I started to really panic that like this big fight was just gonna be a fucking brawl and then fuck this guy and it's over. And um I and so I tried and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna take advantage of this situation and they're gonna talk to Zoros. Zoros is gonna have a chance to like make his case a little bit and take them seriously. And then that happened and I was like, fuck, what do I do? How do I how do I make like a meaningful villain? Um and that's how Stabs was born. And I think it turned out really, really beautifully and really well. I think Stabs did more work for humanizing Zoros than Zoros could ever do. Mm. Yep. Now I'm really uh, glad we did that 180 on you. Oh yeah, that was and the sacred animal art is probably my favorite piece <laughs> that we've done. I was half convinced was really it was one. gonna be Goy pulling the the planet number out of his head. Do you you skip that wasn't a curveball you skipped. That was a that was Fine, a speed that's run. Fair. That, skip. That's fair. That's fair. Um and that uh Paradise Arc was fun. Like if you think Epicurean oh, yeah. Infinite was fun, uh you should have seen the rest of the place. Um have the crew decision in the final episode impacted world setting for campaign three? Yes, hundred percent. Uh and campaign two. Campaign two and three. Um I had probably eleven possible outcomes that I was anticipating. And I had kind of loosely planned around that. But you can ask Heidi. Uh, you guys did do exactly what I thought you would do. Oh, really? Did you guys, yeah, did you guys feel led? <laughs> no, I did no. not have no. any plans the entire campaign of any of this going this way until the final ruin. And, the, and then the wish, obviously, to bring back destruction. Mm. Um, yeah, that changed was, a lot. I was going to fucking beat the brakes off of time. Oh I yeah, fuck! <laughs> but <laughs> it all changed with like I don't know when it like we grew together and we were all thick as thieves, and then to go into that ruin and just see our past and like who we were, why we came here, it was just like I don't know, it was just like a fucking moment. And then the wish obviously fucking compounded that. I don't if he wouldn't have wished for destruction back, um. I definitely don't think that's how we would have gone. Nah, probably not. Yeah. But with her back with us and time being there and all of us together, it was just... Well, I I think for me, um, Chioban and the last waypoint humanized time in a way that had never been 
pre like previously he was just this big burning angry man who yelled at us and told us to go fuck off all the time and that we betrayed him for stuff we didn't even know we did. Fair, fair. And then once we learned why and we had her back and she was like pretty chill, you know, she was she wasn't an she evil was destruction chill. monster that we'd always heard about. Um I started thinking like I, I I don't think time is as bad as he makes himself out to be either. Like, I, I bet if we just talk to him for five seconds. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, the first interaction we ever saw, we didn't. It was just Oliver getting thrown across the room. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I he projected himself to be this really scary dude. and I, it's I mean, not He was very not. angry. He was very upset. Yeah. Grief. Understandably Eternal so. Eternal grief, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think giving him the visage of Jaden in yeah, the thing also was, did a lot of that did a lot lifting for for the character, like because we were like, lifting. oh, you're familiar, like we we love you, yeah, and well, we've we've loved you since episode, you know, like yeah, since, since we created in a way you have always been with us, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can confirm that my notes have uh, Jason and I agonized absolutely agonized over having that be Jaden because I didn't want to take I didn't want to ah it was hard I still don't know if it was the right decision because I, I feel like it it did it, it did work but it also I feel like it took away from uh Oliver and Jaden's thing with Jaden and Shaban I mm. I don't think so I th- I think in that the was my end, fear no I think in the end what it portrayed as far as like symbolism is it, right I think Austin's right. It connected in our heads as players, like as players. It because like it's it's you you guys loved this guy at one point. Like okay, well I've never played with him, don't know him, haven't spent two and a half years you know interacting with him. I don't, you know what I mean. But like seeing him as Jaden in that moment, it's like oh we you were one of us. You you know we 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 mm. all wept when you died, like when we lost you. Like that's that. That right there was just like, yeah, mm. I think that that connected that that like we were all we came here together. We did this together originally. Mm. Uh, yeah, I so I, I did I did a light amount of prep work, assuming not assuming my best guess was that you would all leave. And that was how I prepped. Mm. Um, I had no I, intention of leaving. Yeah, fucking Cody did not want to lead. I know. And I was like, and I tried really hard not to lead. I tried really hard to like give you options, give you out. I didn't want you to feel cornered. I even think maybe I, I cringed a little bit. I was like, Grant, let the fucking story go. I, 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 try, I kept trying to give you little outs. But um, yeah, I, I did a little bit of prep work. I think I even hinted at this. I'm pretty sure I hinted at this. I don't want to say it in case it's a spoiler, but I think I hinted at at least one thing that might happen if you were all to leave. And I had prepped around thinking that was going to happen, but not being sure. Uh, but I think it's really, I, I don't know. I think it's really cool the way it all panned out. And I like that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm really happy with it. Uh, we are wrapping up everyone. Um, I have a, couple great segue questions in here that I'm going to call it with. Um, when is the next campaign? Uh, we are going to be playing Cyberpunk Red, and we start recording that on June 28th. 
Uh, I really appreciate everyone too who has told us to take a break because <laughs> I think the guys here can back up that I'm not one to take breaks ever. <laughs> so I I think I think I was kind of in the mindset like we have to keep going, we have to keep going, we have to keep going, and um, I decided to give it a couple weeks, and then I saw a bunch of you in chat being like, "Hey, please take some time." No one's going to be mad at you. So I appreciate everyone who's reassured us in that manner. Um, so we're going to be starting to record that on the 28th. The first episode of that will drop on the 2nd. Uh, everyone is asking, how long is it going to be? Is this campaign 2? Is this campaign 1.5? I'm wiffle waffling all around on it. I'm just going to say it is cyberpunk. And I feel like planning how long everyone's going to live is like the antithesis of what we're about to do. I think this is going to be a fast, hard, disco fucking blood viscera. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be an intense thing. And I I don't know how long it's going to be because I'm not planning it like that. I have some things I want to accomplish through this campaign as like a transitionary period. But I'm not going to commit to eight episodes or a hundred episodes because it might fucking I it might be fucking two hundred episodes. It all <laughs> depends. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it. This is yeah. cyberpunk. Tomorrow is not promised. We are riding the wave. We are on the edge of technology. Like this is edge running. This is cyberpunk. No one is promised tomorrow. I think it's just appropriate that I say I don't know if this is campaign two or campaign one point five. Or if it's going to be 10 episodes or what. I just don't know. All I can do is estimate. And I don't want to go into my prep with like a timeline in mind. Because that, I don't know. It's just it's just not it's not how I do things. And I think it's better if I don't go into it like that. Right. Are we going to have any guest stars from the other podcast? We're not going to have any other guest stars. But we are making some... Um, we are making some changes. Uh, if you're in Discord, you maybe have seen this already. It's uh, not like super secret information, but uh, Andy from Powerwood Fail and Emily from World Weavers are going to be joining us for Cyberpunk, and Austin is going to be moving over to Powerwood Fail full time. So there is going to be a cast change in that way we're going to be net plus one and we are likely going to have another plus one. Oh, well if i didn't announce it there you go i'm being told i didn't announce that andy was joining us andy is joining us um and then like i said six is my magic number so i think the campaign after that we're going to be pulling in another person as well uh and um yeah that is what we're looking at for a month from now when we uh, resume with Cyberpunk Red. And I'm excited for you, you all. If you don't listen to World Weavers, uh, I'm really excited for you to meet Emily. I think she's going to fit in really well with the cast and has a lot of a lot of chops, a lot of talent. Very excited to have her. Um, and if you don't listen to Power Word Fail, then I am sure you will also love Andy. Um, and it's good for us. We're getting some diversity and we're getting some diversity of like skills and talents too. And we're just, uh, making, you know, making the decisions that work best for all the shows. Uh, and that's what it, that's what it shook out to. And if you're not listening to power word fail, now you have to. Yeah. Because 
because that's where Austin is. And you need to follow him over there. And it's an absolutely uh, incredible show. They uh, are way more patient with Austin's shenanigans than I am, too. So if you love Austin shenanigans. There's um, a lot. And they're great. There's a lot. And I'm not afraid to cast knock. No, uh, you can knock your fucking heart out <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I'm I'm excited, and it's it's hard and making changes and all that stuff. But Austin, I really appreciate all the time you've spent with us, and uh, definitely not goodbye. Um, we share a lot of space with power, like power would fail, and homebrew are probably a lot closer than y'all think we are too. Like we're. Yes. Yeah, we're pretty tight. So, um, no. I don't know you. I don't know you. <laughs> the only people I haven't thanked yet are you guys. And I know you have to hear me go through this whole song and dance and try to come up with new ways to say thank you to everyone um, every week. And it's hard to show gratitude through words. Uh, so I just have to ask you to trust me that um it's not a bit on a script and it's not a checklist item for me to say thank you to you all uh i the the support that we get from y'all whether it's listeners or discord members or patrons uh really enables us to do this um it's it's just unfathomable to get to do something that you love and have people behind you cheering for you and you know uh, helping fund it and things of that nature so thank you all so much i am fully committing to this next campaign being as good as this first one like it's going to be better i think it's going to be better i really i think i'm gonna get to take all these lessons i've learned and i get to like apply them to this next round and i get to like really bloom blossom so to speak um so i'm gonna keep i'm i'm gonna keep doing the best i can for you crew if you'd like to say anything now is your chance before we wrap up thanks guys (laughs) (laughs) uh had no idea that almost what almost three years ago now um we would be here with all of you every single one of you and i don't know it's it's just been amazing hearing you know everybody's fan theories and you know, seeing people's fan art and seeing just everything. It's Yeah. It's a true blessing to perform for you guys. Yeah. 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 It's a real honor. I know I always joke around during my little intro outro things, but it truly does make it that much easier to walk down the path knowing you guys are out there listening. Yeah. Mm, right. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Um uh we'll see everyone in a few weeks. We'll keep you abreast of any uh, announcement and changes and make sure that uh you get your first episode of campaign two what did i say july 2nd thank you everyone yeah. have a wonderful night have a wonderful week and we love you and thank you and see you later toodles everybody see you in the next one i love you Bye. bye bye See you guys later. Oh, bye, everybody. I guess we're saying bye in character voices now. (laughs) Well, if everybody's doing it, goodbye. Rip my heart out on the way out, why don't you? God damn it.
Just remember, <laughs> be good or get judged. See you around.